Welcome. You're listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Visit us on the web at vedanta.org. Navrambhaloki Nachadivaloki Najakshagandharvanushaloki Nalukashajati Jarapaneta Nanastitatu hi Manushachandra Banditas Tavo Surya Sehodira Dishivis Chapi Pujitaha Vaidya Sarvasalokasa Mande Aham Pitambivo Not in the plane of the Brahman Brahma not in the plane of the Devas, God, nor in the worlds of Jaksas and Gandharvas, celestial singers. Is then there anyone like you, the liberator from birth and old age, O moon among men? You are adored by the gods and worshipped by the sages. You are the physician of the world, whole world. I too offer my worship to you, O Lord Buddha. To the world burned by the fire of attraction, aversion and fear, you have manifested as a vast lake salutations unto you again and again, O Bodhisattva, fully enlightened. Om Shanti, 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 peace, peace, peace be unto us all. So today our topic is Buddha. So naturally Buddha's presence in the world have brought so much peace and happiness and joy through thousands of years, 2,500 years past. But the impact of Buddha is still growing and it is bringing peace and solace and joy to the people of the world, be in whatever position they are. But who is Buddha? It's a big question. Buddha is a human being, we say, Hindus believe that he is an incarnation of God, like Christ, like Krishna, like Rama, like Ramakrishna. God incarnated as Buddha. And Buddha actually has been praised in this way, that Buddha is not a person, but it is a person, a principle, manifested in human body. Buddha is a state. Bodhisattva is a state of attainment where everyone, that is the beauty of Buddha. It's not that I alone have attained, you can also attain. He opened the door of that infinite knowledge and wisdom to himself by his tremendous search for the truth and also left it open for the posterity to express and understand that reality within themselves. Buddha is a state of peace and perfection. Buddha is a state where, beautiful, one quote is there, what is the Buddha expressing his own ideas? Buddha is a state where breeze no longer sways the serenity, ups and downs no more over the even path. Night never sets in over the illumined awareness. Truth, truth never eclipsed. Births and deaths are uprooted. Treasures never robbed. Grace sends down showers. Peace is charity. 
love greens the desert thereover i am seated crowned by eternity that is a state is open declaration for the world to reach that point where the bridge no longer can sway the serenity what we have inside no he says the ups and downs no more over the even path in our life we are all tormented by the ups and downs joys and sufferings but it is all can touch that state of buddha night never sets in over the illumined awareness when that even awareness which is illumined awareness which is inside is experienced then there cannot be any night it is day it is all the time light and brilliance and it is all experience and experience truth never eclipsed never it gets mixed up with untruth and birth and deaths are uprooted it's beautiful idea we are all in the journey of birth and death and suffering and pain so here is the point birth and death is uprooted from that life who have attained that bodhisattva but and treasure you get that treasure which is never robbed no one is there no person can rob that treasure everything in the material world can be robbed taken away youth can be taken away by old age money can be taken away by the robbers or taxation <laughs> so you we, everything there is a potential thing you gather there is the chance of being robbed and taken away but bodhi buddha is a state one certain no one can rob that from you grace sends down showers there is only grace and grace and grace peace is a charity you can give away that peace to everyone if you attain to that state and love greens the desert the suffering the soothing searching heart the searching heart will be soothed forever as if it is a shower of love there and in that state there over i am seated that is the state of buddha that state crowned by the eternity and never to go that once you attain that state there is no chance of your losing that no one can take so it's very alluring state no but still it may be alluring to us but it's not so easy to accept this philosophies and to act in a way to reach this state now that is the point that buddha came and actually he conferred this state of freedom from all types of bondage buddhism starts and vedanta starts with what you call pessimism buddha starts saying everything is dukkha 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 eh? everything is suffering suffering what a pessimistic talk all suffering all suffering also there is so much joy so much fun so much things but no buddha says hey you are mistaken you are thinking what is joy that is the source of your suffering we never thought that way what is good immediate and this charming that's good and there is so much the whole world so much of joys and no 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 you are deluded suffering is suffering undoubtedly but joy is also suffering joy is suffering is a new philosophy to look at the thing in a different perspective because what is bringing joy today the same thing brings suffering tomorrow 
given good example, you like ice cream, <laughs> and can take so much of ice cream, you like it, like it, like it. And this joy of having ice cream brings the suffering of cholesterol. <laughs> and then you stop, then you like it, but you cannot take it. So what apparently seems to be joyful, what apparently brings us happiness, Buddha says, analyze, analyze, analyze. It is not so. It appears like that. But if you probe into it, you will find a different truth comes out. Then shall we cry here and weep? That's all? No, there is a way. And that is his search for the truth. As you know, he was born as a prince. And his father got his horoscope prepared. And that horoscope, this this scholars, those who prepared that pandits, they said, this guy, this boy will be a great soul. Wherever he is, if he is in the material world, he will be the greatest king. Of course, his father was a king of that country and he will inherit that. And if he not, he will be a great sage. He will be. And the father was scared if he becomes his monk. So who will look after his own kingdom? So he kept him in such an environment where there is no touch of sorrow and suffering. And that was protective measure so that he never thinks about suffering and gets an inspiration to renounce the life. Renounce the life, apparent life of pleasure and to delve into that life which will be of eternal pleasure long afterwards. But immediately you lose him. So he was so much guarded. But as, as Providence wanted, what happened? That he had to experience through these three things he saw. We see every day in our life. But we see, we don't see. We think it is for uh, someone is suffering, sick. Oh, it is sickness. I am okay. Someone is dying. Oh, that man is dead. But I will be here for eternity. We may sometimes sympathize. Aha, this person is gone. Uh, we miss him, this, that. But regarding me, I will be here. So that is confirmed as it were. So this is the death, disease, another thing is old age, as we age. You see, the, it is no more the youthful body. Aches and pain starts and then this operation, that operation, this connection, this dissection, all these things go on through the body. And then, where is the end? So, Buddha saw these three situations and he was not satisfied with it. He found a big question, a big crisis in life. Crisis of my identity, my being here, why I am here. If that is the goal, ultimate goal is death. And for what? We are all struggling whole life. All this accomplishment, all our efforts will ultimately end into that condition of just ending into death situation. That actually bothered him, bothered him, bothered him seriously. And he also saw a monk whose life is carefree. He does not have any position, but he is free and his face shines like an illumined soul. So these three things, we look at the life only one side of it. We sometimes try to hide the darker side of it. But as a student of life, ex- experimenting the life, 
we should have to be open to it to understand what is life what life gives us and what opportunity we are missing if we don't analyze this way and try to solve the mystery of this coming and going this suffering and pleasure of course coming and going of course buddhists will accept maybe others may not accept but hindus and buddhists accept that rebirth eh? coming and going coming and going again and again it's a terrible journey and we are going through it and what that we are all expecting we are expecting something permanent but this permanent thing cannot be achieved in name in power in fame in position in acquiring wealth prosperity or kingdom nothing can be a permanent entity here this is the analysis of life and because of that we should not have to cry and weep that is the boldness of buddha yes it is so first analyze life has both aspects it gives a touch of joy because the senses and the sense objects they connect it's called sparsha sparsha means touch whenever my eye will touch something beautiful it will run there and mind if gets connected then it is a, it touches and with that touch we may feel some joy sometimes we may feel some excitement but that is for a flickering moment and that flickering moment of touch of the sense and the sense objects how much pleasing it may appear it brings suffering or loss after some time when he, when it goes away it is instant and we are whole life is nothing but instant touch everything is touch ears hearing some sound connected with my mind some sound outside here is the instrument perception completed by mind touches some sweet words come into our ears we get excited some foul words come somebody says something it depresses so all our life is a very important point it is only touch it is a sensation one sensation to the another to the other to the other to the other we call a existence which is actually void because it is flickering experiences one dot to the other dot to the other dot and no more the last experience remains as soon as another experience comes and it is all split and it appears to be a whole like the fan rotating in the house in high speed we don't see the blades but is the same three blades or four blades whatever but four blades appear to be a circle and that as if the blades are not there even what it appears is an appearance but it is all the summation of some changes it's a very philosophical question or not only philosophical idealistic question to explore see who we are what we are we are only changes some changes constantly happening in the physical in the mental in the emotional in the intellectual and our ego area all these changes what i call i my knowledge my feelings my understanding it is not the same understanding as i had yesterday today it is changing it is not the same body what i had yesterday not yesterday split 
just one second before and this second, even this split second within the division of time, it is changing, changing, changing. And what a miracle that we are seeing it to be unchanging, eternal, as it were. I am here, I was here, I live here for 10 years. What is that I live here? That I is dead, every second it is dead. We are standing on some wrong premises and we are trying to build a castle on that wrong understanding. So, Buddha says, try to see this, observe this. It's not to cry and run away, but to analyze it and find a solution out of it. So that these changes will go on, but I can be, as I just read, that I can be standing in a state where no ups and downs will be in my path, no night will be ever to cover my knowledge, neither truth, this truth, understanding will be eclipsed anymore. Births and deaths will be uprooted from our awareness and consciousness. I will live in eternity. See, this language is so close to Vedanta, only people get mixed up. Whatever they say, that is philosophical, you will have to say. But the point is that here, to understand life, it is a question, it is a practical question of life. Sometimes people think religion is something uh, unearthly. But it is most earthly. It is taking us from where we stand. Who can deny the argument, the understanding, what has been presented by this path of analysis of Buddha. So here we find Buddha, is, that's why he said, don't talk about doctrines and dogmas. Enough. Don't sit and make big argument against one doctrine against the other. Vedanta or Buddhism or Hinduism or Christianity. Don't talk about ism. The problem is here. Solve it. And that's why Buddha's message is very clear. He says, no doctrine, no philosophy, no God, no heaven, no priest. You see, no Vedas, no scriptures. Even he is born in the Hindu tradition. That's why Swami Vivekananda said, Buddha is the rebellion child of Hinduism. Because in the name of religion, these doctrines and dogmas have penetrated into the Hindu culture at that time. They are doing sacrificial fire, and in that they are offering some animals. Animals to be killed for what reason? Animal is a simple symbol of our animal instinct. So we cannot cut it here. So we take an innocent animal and chop the head, thinking my animal, animal instinct is gone. But I remain the same old guy. That's why Buddha was pained at this realistic situation, what is going on in the name of religion. Religion, you are to understand the transformation of life. The doctrine does not make you a great religious person. Which philosophy you hold on does not make you a great spiritual person. Intellectual people can always have some higher stand. And India was going to that scholastic idea about this analysis. And who can be conquered by greater argument? It's a logic. It's a logician's bad play of words of tricks. As, as, as in, the law, in the court of law, uh, in the courthouse, the lawyers debate. Putting argument, knowing fully well that man has killed this person or did something wrong. But uh, the lawyers are there on both sides. So the, the India became a lawyer's club then, that time. 
they started always arguing, arguing, arguing and not practicing anything. If you know that it is impermanent, if you know it is permanent or it is not, so give up. What is that knowing if it does not happen in your practical life? You understand it is poison and you hold on to the poison and stay happily drinking the poison more. What is the use of knowing? Better don't know it. So the religious, the spiritual tradition of India, the high spiritual values have been lost during that time of the history. So the animal slaughtering was going on. That's why Buddha came with the spirit of uh, ahimsa, non-injury. Not hurting anyone by word, by word, by thought and action. What the question of action? Not action. Even mentally don't think it. And you don't use one word to hurt anyone. He went to that far. It's a realistic question. And forget God. What is the need of God here? Must be a gentleman. Must be a good person. Must be a loving person. Let charity and love and compassion flow through a person. And then we will think about what greater things can come in life. So Buddha actually, that's why he did not support the idea of talking about philosophies. No God, no God even. Don't talk about God, heaven. Rather you solve the mystery, solve the problem, what you are facing, the challenges you are facing. Try to see how you can get over it. So they say, and his message is, be a lamp unto you. Know who you are. That this state, Buddha another place, it is said, that it is, there is an unborn, an unoriginated, an unmade, an uncompounded, where they are not, O mendicants, there will be no escape from the world of the born, the originated, the made and the compounded. So he said, there is a state, unborn, there is no question of birth there, unoriginated. If you say it is originated, then it is perishable. That there is something which has no origin. Vedanta says no beginning, no end. The same idea. Uncompounded. Anything in this world. Is, can you think of anything in the world which is not compounded? It's all mixed. A mixture of things. Vedanta will say five elements. Air, water, fire, etc. Is a compound which makes my body, your body, the earth, whatever we are experiencing here, made of this combination of these elements. So if this is the truth, there is a truth, uncompounded. It is not made with other elements. It is only absolute that something is there. So that is the state we need to go. Therefore, it is you need not have to do follow any rituals or any priestly we are not to follow the priestly injunctions. So he in one stroke avoided all these things and tried to hit the point straight that there is suffering and four truths as you all know. One first truth, there is suffering. Suffering is there in life. Anyone here disagree with this point? Well, some Someone say, well, I do not know what you are talking. Is there suffering? What is suffering? I don't know. Is there anybody in the world will disagree that life has suffering? I think only mm, mentally deranged person or a spiritual person. These two people can say, 
Yes, I do not know what is suffering. <laughs> but for all of us, it is a fundamental truth. There is suffering. And if it, there is suffering, is there any way out? Yes, there is a way out. Is there any path to follow? Yes, there is a path. So, fundamental point is that to diagnose the disease of our life, the problem of our life, and then find the solution of it. Apply the medicine. You go to doctors, what they do. First of all, it takes so much blood test, this, that, what for? To diagnose what is the problem, where is the problem, locate that. And then they prescribe some medicine. So Buddha also prescribed, found the problem, very simply, and then tried to give the solution of it. So the fundamental idea of what Buddha wanted, that you need not have to be searching into something philosophical, but we come to the realistic point of life and see the suffering there and how you can get out of the suffering, you have to find such means and ways. So the fundamental point that there is existence, there is existence of suffering in life. Second point will be, if there is existence, there should be some cause. What is the cause? There is a cause of suffering. And then there is a cessation of suffering and there is a way that can be followed to get out of suffering. So these are the, called the four noble truths. Very simple thing. First of all, there is suffering in life. And if you say there is suffering of life, then you'll have to say there is a cause. Why I am suffering? There should be some cause. And that cause Normally we are happy if we can put the cause of suffering is somebody else. Because of you I am suffering. Then I am happy. But Buddhism doesn't say that. You take the load on yourself. There is a cause of suffering and it can be suffering. There is a path to get out of this suffering. And the point is that there is a theoretical knowledge first. There is a cessation. Suffering, suffering has a cessation. Suffering has a cause. And suffering, there is a way to get out of suffering. So out of this, the first point, the existence of suffering, is a very important point. It is diagonizing the disease, our disease of suffering and pain in life. And first point is that the existence of suffering, that is diagonizing. First of all, what is our problem? Problem is that there is a suffering and I am a victim of that. And then, next, it is a theoretical, there is a cessation. Yeah, there, I, there are people who have gone beyond this suffering. But for me, now come the realistic point, point two and four. That means these are the prescriptions. What prescription? Medicine. Doctor's prescription is, is a practical application. The point is that this, you have to find the cause of suffering. And then you can find that it is what cause? What is causing me this? Cause is my desire. I desire something. Whatever I desire, any good thing or bad thing, that leads us to a path. And path there comes so many unwanted situations which puts us into that suffering. And the way out is to analyze, analyze how, how this suffering is troubling me and how I can get out of it. So these are the uh, four noble truths. And as Buddha has said, what is the easy way? Easy way is live a nice life. 
People talk of big philosophies, but their life is not based on dharma, not cultivated with the values of life, the principles of life. Big talks does not do anything unless there is application in the life of giving its price. You want whatever object you want, you have to pay the price of it. So Buddha naturally gave this dharma. That's, a, that's why we say, Buddhaṁ sharanaṁ gacchāmi. I take refuge in Buddha. That means Buddha, the state. Or you can think Buddha, the person, personified truth, personified in human body. That is one point. That dharma, then dharmaṁ sharanaṁ gacchāmi. I follow the path of dharma, righteousness. That eightfold path of righteousness. Righteousness path, right understanding. Make the life understand a way where there is no more delusion, misconception. Try every day to understand the situations of life. Where I am getting confused. Where I am putting wrong emphasis on the thing. Which is, in this world if we know that it is all moment to moment changing, if that is true, then our affinity to the things will automatically take a different turn. If I know it is permanent and I run for it, that's good. But if I know it is changing with this next split second, then my attachment will be different. I cannot attach with that intensity as I was doing before. So, to right understanding of life, Right understanding of these situations of life, every day what is happening. Right understanding, it is the, of, of the thinking, thought. Think, very high, noble, lofty thought. Worthy thought. What is useful, what will bring peace, what will bring total joy and self-contentment. Try to, try to find. That means to be aware of all this, to follow the path every day, the path of awareness. Awareness that I will think high. I will not think superficially. Most of our days go in a way we, do, we are not super serious thinkers. Things come and we accept it and go along with it. And then suffering comes, we cry, joy comes, we, 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 we say, uh, we thank everyone for giving that joy. Huh? But nobody gives the joy, but it comes because of your choosing the path. So here is the think right to rightly, high thinking and noble thinking, worthy thinking, right speech. How much we speak whole day. If we take the record, uh, if you can record yourself in your phone, a phone it will be over within few minutes. And phone cannot contain so much of memory. So whole day we are talking, but what we are talking? We are talking of what is worthless. <laughs> Rather, you, you control your speech and see how you can have more time for thinking. We, we are very instant talkers. Anyone says anything, I have to respond immediately. Wait, wait, wait. Think a little bit and say what is the right response. So, this is, this is, it is bringing self-control. Also giving us the time to cogitate. What am I talking? Is it useful or worthless? Our one Swami used to say, Badrananda, a British Swami, he used to say, before you talk, you just pause and tell yourself, is it useful? Will it bring good to anyone? 
will it bring good to me ask two three questions you put then you will see how much you can speak it will make you automatically check yourself that yes am i speaking yes is it useful useful to anyone or if i say will it be beneficial to anyone and is it bringing a situation of peace and harmony so these are very important points speech it should be kind it should be open it should be truthful that is the uh, very very practical following this type of what automatically character is built you know the spirituality is character a noble character high thinking self control understanding the thing in proper perspective speaking what is beneficial what is useful which is kind which is truthful then live live a right living life type of livelihood that means which will be not hurting to living beings to take away the peace of others for my living i live anyway i don't care whether others are hurt or others are destroyed others are killed no think rightly as i have the author wish to live so others also have the same quality to live in the world so live in a way that it does not hurt anyone it does not create any trouble for anyone is the right type of life right effort to earn money to get established in life even that should be in a right effort of self control and self effort that effort should be with the controlled sense subjective check and mindfulness we should be very mindful to actively watch the mind mind deludes us mind takes us in trickery way and we support that as a result we whatever i think i follow that and that we cannot see the perspective that what is the right type of mindfulness my mindfulness also now you know how to observe the mind itself what mind is thinking what mind is doing hmm? so that is the right mindfulness and and to also right concentration that means in deep meditation on realities of life here a contemplation in vedantic contemplation will be think that i am atman brahman but in buddhistic idea will be right concentration is you meditate on the life yes what is happening in my life what i was what i am what is the change and observe what i am thinking what i am becoming is it not a matter of all a perception of changes together giving an appearance of reality is a these are the eightfold path has been mentioned as the path for liberation and meditation what to meditate upon buddhism is a huge subject because so many divisions of buddhism has come but the major thought goes back to this one is the path of analysis another is the path of that is called the mahajana and theravada so these are the two divisions mainly buddha didn't want that someone should worship him but people forgot that and started worshiping him and statues and statues and statues all over and forgot the blessings the principles for which buddha stood tremendous renunciation tremendous analytical mind observing the suffering of life how to live the life they engaged in another way but there are all paths though major thing is that if we take this buddhist philosophy then finding the cause of suffering accepting that there is suffering 
understanding that there must be a cause of suffering, following the path of Buddha, what he has described, then escape from this suffering. And somebody already have done as Buddha himself. These are the examples before us. So we have to make a journey. But now the right point, right concentration here. What to concentrate? Mindfulness. Mindfulness. What about mindfulness? It is called the infinite causations circle. Twelve points are there. Very fine analysis. But I'll just touch those twelve points. First of all, the point comes that we are suffering, suffering. Or we are talking about suffering. Why I am suffering? That's the first question. Why I am suffering? Because I am in ignorance. I do not know that what I am trying to hold on, that is temporary. I didn't know that. This ignorance, that's why the first point is that why we are suffering? Because we are ignorant of the truth. Ignorance, wrong conception. What is the wrong conception? The life is full of suffering. But there is not so much importance in it that to feel attracted towards it. Because where I am getting attracted, by that time I reach there, it recedes. It changes, it changes, it changes. We, we, we pleasantly say, yeah, you have changed so much. This is a wrong statement. We should not say that. <laughs> because I am also changing, you are also changing. Yesterday, uh, you and yesterday me, it was something. And today is me and today is you are not the same. No question of saying that how you have changed so much. I didn't understand that. Because it is a change, it's called life. Constant change. It's called the Alata Chakra. Ring of fire. Ring of fire is an appearance. There is no ring. It's a one ball, flame, and you're rotating it high speed and giving an appearance of a circle. And we are saying it is a ring of fire. So life is like that. It seems that it is a continuum, but it is not so. So why we do not know why we are suffering? That because of this fundamental question of ignorance. Ignorance that this life has nothing much to be attracted towards, but it gives an appearance of that, and we are drawn into it, and because of being drawn and pulled into it, as a consequence, we, frust- we get to frustration, or we, we get to little accomplishment for a few days, and that accomplishment itself creates a sense of our frustration. What I have achieved, I'm not happy with it. Look at our life. When we started our journey in the childhood, oh, we'll get a good grade, good grade. Okay, good grade. Then what? You enter into the school. Okay, and now I'll compete this. I'll learn this. I'll do this and do that. Okay, go, go, go. And then get master degree, get PhD. Then what? Go, go. Where? You become a noble laureate. Go. Then what? Afterwards? At the end of life, says, oh my God, no one is around me. I am alone. And who will save me? Who will hurt me? Isn't that all this accomplishment? People say, I have accomplished so much. But there is no peace. There is no fulfillment. So this is called avidya. It is leading us, not one person. All of us are running like that. But we are not aware of it. Not being aware is the first point of our suffering. So we are suffering because we do not know that we are running after something which is not there. But does it mean then, am I a fool? I shall give up all these things? 
and believe this foolish theory to, 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 to have some, some joy after death? Well, no, 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 no. You just learn this. If you learn this, you will in the life, but you will not be crying and weeping. You know, I know it is changing and it has changed. I'm happy with it. Freedom is yours. So that's the first point is called the avidya. And why does it happen? Why I'm ignorant? Because we have our sangaskaras. Because we have in our mind, we are thinking of tremendous attraction, desire to be born and to get something and have something more and more and more and more and more. Endless. That's why even if one goes to heaven, he's not satisfied. There should be heaven. In heaven also, different grades of treatment are there. That's <laughs> That story is there that, that one uh, New York driver uh, died and he went to heaven and he was given a big palace, palatial uh, quarters. And one priest who was preaching the Lord forever and he was given eh, another place, but not that big. Then he once asked, Sir uh, Peter, what is the condition? Who is this guy? But he is a taxi driver in New York. Well, why? He gets, I am preaching the Lord's name whole life and I got this small quarter and he is having a big house with so much of plenty of things. Then uh, Peter responded, uh, but uh, remember, when you preached, what happened? And what this taxi driver was tri driving? Like the taxi driver is driving, everyone says, oh Lord, my Lord, protect me. It's driving so harshly. And when you were preaching, what happened? All the audience fell asleep. <laughs> Does he not deserve a better palace in the heaven? So this is the point that even in heaven there is gradation. But that is the desire that because of ignorance, we have this impression. Our, our, we have some momentum in, in our mind. Mind pushes us, drives us to go for this, go for that, go for that. That is the, because of the sanskaras, it comes from the experiences of our actions and our past life. And why this comes, this experience, desire for comes? To bigyano, it is called the bigyano, means I, there's I will experience this because of that I. To experience the world, we need one who will experience. So behind these impulses, there is some I, ahang bodha, I am there, I will experience. That is because that I is the guiding force that is pushing our mind to move into the objects of the world with in varied way to find peace and joy there. According to Buddha, this visible world has no entity, has no permanent entity. It has a relative entity, as I said. It is a circle, a fire circle, but it is not actually a circle, but it is a ball and it's movement is all appearing. It is not the real thing. So it is only a chain of experience. Chain of experience. I see it from morning till now. You look at yourself. You can really think. It, it will give great clarity. From morning till now, your ego, ahang bodha, that is the knowledge. Knowledge comes because I am there, object is there, and that I am experiencing. It is like Split experience, one experience, another experience. I woke up, one experience. I opened my eyes, another experience. I come out of the bed, another experience. 
I want to the washroom. Another experience. It is only experience, 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 experience. And I, somewhat, is getting into this and pushing us to do this, to do that, to do that because of the desires. And then, why this I is functioning? Because I wants to experience something. And what is experiencing? We are experiencing only name and form. I am experiencing the whole universe. The universe is what? It is nothing but one name and one form. Say you can name any person is name. And name is related with the form. Form and name are connected. A tree, a plant, moon, suns, ocean, whatever you say. It is only name and particular form. So name and form, this ego, to perceive this, this name and form is attracting us. And in the plan of Buddha's planning, it is called the Vishya Pravaha. That means the flow in the creation, the world of creation. And that means here the ego is trying to connect with the object of name and form. But how this perception happens? Perception happens, it's called six Shadavayatan. That means there are six entities. What are the six entities? Your five senses and your mind. External name and form is here. But if my eyes don't see it, my perception goes away. If mind is not connected with that, perception is not possible. So, there would be some object, there should be some subject, I, and with the knowledge, with the help of the six, means five senses, eyes, ear, nose, tongue, and touch, this five, and its ruling personality is the mind, connecting with that mind, it gets a touch. And this is called the six Ayotan means its English name will be what? Six entities which gives us the perception and connection with the world. And now as a result, my mind helps my senses to touch the sense objects. And as a result, what happens? I get a touch of that joy. If there is food, that will not do. If my tongue is here, they are separated, it won't work. You have to touch it. And even if you touch, your mind is necessary. You, you are thinking something and you are having a delicious food in your tongue. You do not know whether it is delicious or it is not. So, with the help of the mind and the senses, the external object, when they touch each other, then we have some experience. And that experience is the experience of joy we feel. But it is flickering. Every second it is flickering. So that gives us, once I tested it, second time I want to test it. It is called the thirst. A thirst grow in our mind. Oh, I know it is good. Huh? When you go to a restaurant, you order something. Wow, what do you order? What do you have experienced one special? You remember that, okay. And you tick mark that one. So it is that thirst remains in the mind that I want to test it again. And again, and as a result, that creates the foundation of the rebirth. This life I have experienced, I am not completed with it. I want something more to do, then I go for another, and another, and another. And that's why there comes the desire to be born. That is the tenth point. And as a born, then birth in the world happens. And as it happens, birth leads to growth, disease, decay, and death. So this cycle is going on because of this 12 very important point. But it is to be understood that the world 
is a something and we are perceiving it as something else. So Buddha says to be wise enough to understand life and to find a way out of it. That's why it is all emphasis on yourself. No priest is necessary here. No scripture is necessary. Anyone can sit and analyze their life and try to find out what is this life, how I am every day experiencing things, senses. If I am blind, this world of vision will have no attraction for me. With, we are having with eyes, we are so much attracted to the different things. Even the eyes are there, the mind goes away. Some people lost their mind, dementia we call. They have no experience, they, they have the experience, but they, they cannot keep it in their memory. So this experience is going on because of this important, one important point if I remember, that our all experiences are happening because there is a, some object, there is the eye, and my mind is there, associated with the sense, and sense perception touches them, and I feel immediately when the touch happens, there comes my joy, or there comes my suffering also. If I put my finger into the fire, it is the touch, touching the fire, mind attached with it, immediately its suffering will be felt. Have a nice experience, touch it, you have the good experience, but it is flickering, it is not permanent, it is not steady, it is changing, changing, changing. So shall we live on changing? Or we can, if we understand it is changing, we will not be attached to anything, and that is the freedom. And that will give us liberation, where any good thing happens, it will not touch us, any bad thing happens, it does not touch us. Because it is, it is all having in the sense that experience with the mind and the sense objects, nama rupa, name and form, and the ego perception with the help of the senses, touching it, touching it, touching it. Our whole life is nothing but experience. One dot of experience, another, 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 another. Life is nothing but a summation of all these touches. And let us touch, but at the same time, Know that it is flickering, it is momentary. If it is momentary, so don't get attached. If you don't get attached, no one can give you any suffering or pain. You are free soul. So this is, in brief, some ideas of Buddha. Uh, it is such a big topic, then you can think and read more. Main thing, get out of the suffering. Thank you. Om Samrajya Shukham Trinabad Vihaya Shandharayaṃ Nininya Vedam Pashuhatanam Cha Dayamayaṃ Taṃ Pranatasmi Buddham Om Shanti Shanti Shantihi Buddha, who renounced the happiness of a kingdom and living it as it were a blade of grass, who wore the ragged garb of renunciation, who denied the authority of the Vedas, and who denounced animal sacrifice, that compassionate Buddha, I salute again and again. Om peace, peace, peace be unto us all. You've been listening to the Voice of Vedanta podcast from the Vedanta Society of Southern California. Thanks for listening.